0: Hey everyone, Bayou here. Last time on Prison Pals, we finally got to reunite with our families, which was quite a surprise. And uh, I actually can't hang around for this intro very long because I'm scheduled to be fighting my sisters right now, so I need to prepare. You know, kids these days, they don't see you for a few weeks and all of a sudden they want to brawl you. See ya!
1: PRISM PALS, PRISM PALS, were recording PRISM PALS. Last time, our characters got to spend a little bit of time with the people who came to visit them. So, Holland spent time with Floor, Vayu spent time with Amala, Freya, and Rhea. That's a lot of a I just realized. <laughs> and Ghibli spent time with Miss Ethel. Towards the end of these events... Gibbs actually discovered the book series called the Novoloxor series, which talks about several things that seem very familiar, including something known as a nanomorph, which from Gibbs's readings seems to be the the red orb that Ghibli had found. They have gone to the library to discover the rest of the series and are planning on reading those. For Vayu, Vayu was challenged by their sisters to combat, to see who could kick whose butts. And I believe some chores were placed on the line. And then for our good friend Holland, Holland lost his third level spell slots, as Trevane informed him that the Prophet of Dust was now in Mulra. We're gonna do a kind of minor time skip. Vayu, you are back on the campus of the Platinum Ambitions. You are in a training room. Training room L for Loser.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hehe. I'm kidding. Training room L, and you are facing off in a match against your sisters, Rhea and Amala. They both stand before you, poised and ready to fight. I need you to roll me initiative.
0: I'm not gonna lie, I thought we were gonna duke it out in the park. (laughs)
1: You were just like, we're gonna fight in
0: the middle
1: of the city. Just
0: like, here we go. First roll of initiative was a crit fail. Honestly, rip. It makes four. Ooh, spicy. Oh, I don't know, maybe they'll roll a negative two. So, you are in a training
1: room. You are currently standing on one of the training rings. It is a raised platform about 30 feet by 30 feet. You are in one corner while your sisters are in the other corner. Um, they've kind of been whispering back and forth to each other very quietly, trying to come up with a plan, staring at you, Going back and whispering about their plan. And they both turn to face you taking a offensive pose. And your mom says, um, well, be careful. No one hurt anyone too badly. And I guess fight? (laughs) And as soon as she says that, Amala runs forward about ten feet towards you. And she puts her hands together in front of her and begins to focus. And these little jolts of energy begin to appear in her hands. And does a 17 hit you?
0: Unfortunately,
1: yes. Unfortunately, yes. Okay. That is going to be nine lightning damage. RK. As your sister pushes this lightning away from her, and it strikes into you. And then it's just connected to one of her hands, and she just holds it, focused on this lightning bolt. Um, Up after that is Rhea. Rhea sees what what Amala has done, and she runs up and pulls out a dagger to try and strike you with it. Does, I'm assuming, a 22 hits.
0: What if I said no? (laughs) I'd be very
1: surprised. (laughs) And then that's going to be 6 damage. And then I'm assuming a 20 hits, not natural.
0: Why are you rolling so high? Yes.
1: And that is a 5 damage. As Rhea takes the dagger, hits you in the side, and then smacks you with her
0: tail. These 10-year-olds hit hard.
1: Yeah, they do. Okay, up now it's your turn. Rhea is right in front of you, and Amala is just holding this bolt of lightning in her left hand, and it's just striking towards you still. Kind of just, you can see almost a wisp of it in the air.
0: I'm trying to decide how much value would give in, and how much value would want to be competitive. Nah, I think, I think they were planning on letting them win, but then they kind of went harder than they expected. <laughs> and now they're like... Alright, we're actually gonna fight. Vayu was like, oh, they're not playing around. I'm gonna use one of my new abilities. Vayu holds their hands far apart and brings them crashing together to make this giant, like, wave of air that is thunderous. So you just clap. Yeah, but, like, epically. (laughs) It's an epic clap. Anyway, those two have to make a constitution saving throw.
1: Okay, Uh, Amala rolled a 18, Raya rolled an
0: 8. Okay, so Amala takes half damage. So it's 14 damage, whichever one of the two saved takes 7. Cool. And then... Is that your action? That was the... yeah. Okay, alright. Can I... I can use Flurry of Blows to hit two targets, right?
1: Uh, if they're within your movement, I believe.
0: I have 45 feet of movement.
1: Yes. So you can use one against one of them and use it against the other one also. Loverly. Actually, wait, I'm reading it. No. Because you did not take the attack action. You cast a spell. Okay. So basically you have to make your four attacks for it to be Flurry of Blows accounting.
0: Oh, okay. Then I will just end my turn there.
1: Up now is going to be Amala. Amala still has this sort of wisp against you. And she twists her arm in the air. And once again, that same lightning travels down this wispy path, striking you again. You're going to take seven lightning damage from that.
0: Vayu's not very good when they don't have Holland to heal them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, who's uh-huh. complaining now?
0: Yeah, I'll admit it.
1: (laughs) And then your good, good sister, Raya, is going to try and attack you once with a dagger. That's not going to hit. Going to try and attack again with her tail. That is a 16 to hit. Does that hit? Yeah. Okay. And then going to use Flurry of Blows, and that is a 18 to hit. So two of those are going to hit. And then I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. 16. 16. Okay, you pass the dexterity saving throw, but you're going to take 8 bludgeoning damage as she strikes you with her tail, then turns around and elbows you in the stomach.
0: Zoink, Scoob. I do not have a lot of HP. I will tell you, your sisters do not either. Cool. Is that it? Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, thank you. I'm going to hit Amala first with my staff.
1: Okay, so you're going to move up to Amala. Yes. Uh, you will take an attack of opportunity from Rhea if you do that, because she's oh, right I up didn't... against
0: you. Then I'll hit Rhea first. Okay, alright. <sighs> I can't. what was... you get? It was a crit fail. Um, oh. Clearly fate I... is saying don't beat up your sisters. Yeah. Are you going to do anything because it's a crit fail? No. Oh, cheers. This is a sparring okay. match. I'm not going to be
1: like, and then you break your hand.
0: Okay. Well, then I'm going to try again for uh-huh. Rhea. That was a 23 to hit. I
1: will tell you that that's going to hit her.
0: Wow. Really? Cool. Yes. Um, her
1: AC is not 24 yet.
0: That's to seven damage. Seven damage. Okay. And then I'm going to flex. I'm going to use Flurry of Blows Okay. But I'm also gonna waste two or three quarters of my key because I also want to activate my water arms just because I think they're neat. <laughs> I just I just think they're neat. Okay. I'm wiggly now.
1: So you grow your two extra arms from underneath your current
0: arms that are made of water, and
1: your sisters both go, "Whoa!"
0: Ah, <laughs> I just wanted them to think I'm cool. Cool, so I'm gonna make my flurry of blows. Mm-hmm. I will do it still against Rhea because she is the one whooping my butt. It's a twelve. Twelve is not gonna hit Rhea, actually. Okay. I didn't think so. And a nineteen. Nineteen will hit. Okay. Oh wait I get four. No. Thirteen? Thirteen will not hit. I only hit once. That's okay. sad. Seven again.
1: Seven again? Okay. With that second attack of your water arm, you hit Rhea and she like stumbles back and she says, okay, I think, I think I'm done.
0: I'm going to stand
1: back now. Amala, you got it.
0: Oh, I love her.
1: And Amala nods and looks towards you. And she's gonna see if you can change some stuff up right
0: now. Let's find out. I'm scared. I don't have a lot of HP. <laughs> ah!
3: If it makes you feel better, it is two against one.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, two ten-year-olds.
3: Which is kind of like a twenty-year-old, you know? Which is older than Bayou. Yeah, it's a
0: total
1: twenty-year-old, which is older than Bayou. So, Amala moves her hand, and this wispy energy disappears. And she says, Vayu, get ready! And then slams her hand downwards, and there is an explosion of light. I need you to make a constitution-saving throw. Oh, gee. 17. 17, okay, you pass. You manage to cover your eyes as Amala throws out this Dazzling explosion of fireworks, and you are not blinded like
0: you could pyrotechnics. Have been. pyrotechnics perhaps yes. Whoa! I know fire spells. <laughs> All right, it's your turn. Okay. Question: mm-hmm. My arms? Can I use them in unarmed attacks, or are they only really useful in flurry of blows?
1: Um, they're only useful in flurry of blows.
0: Like, yeah, because they okay.
1: That's how they then work. That's fine. They cool. basically increase the number of flurry blows you can do.
0: And other than that, they're just there to be my arms. Yes. For now. That's fine. I'm just going to hit her with my staff to start. 19. That's going to hit. Great. I'm just going to roll my. Can I roll my second attack with yep. my staff at the same time? Yep. That's a nat 20.
1: That's going to hit.
0: Wow. I would okay, just cool. suggest
1: you roll your damage and see what it does.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'd. I'd... The water arms are just there to flex. Okay, three for the first attack. Okay. Four for the second attack. Four it's... double, they rolled a two.
1: Oh, okay. Did you add your modifier?
0: No. No, I didn't. okay. kind of low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> Have you you this is. I've been adding a modifier this entire time. Yes, it was just that time. I just like looked at the number and I was like, two. <laughs> anyway, three plus three is six. Uh-huh. Two plus two plus three is seven. Uh-huh. I did 13 damage. <laughs> okay. That's some great I'm math
2: skills. I'm proud of you
1: for doing math. So take moving forward from there. You strike Amala twice, and she is barely standing. Would you like to go for a flurry of blows, or would you like to use your bonus action attack, or what?
0: I am going to use the rest of my turn to just- I'm just gonna outstretch my water hand to help her up. That's it. I'm just offering- this is my peace offering- but I'm outstretching my water hand so that if she stabs me, it doesn't hurt me. Okay.
1: You help her up, and then it's her turn.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay.
1: Just making sure. Yeah. Um, I'm here for the drama of it all, Russ. <laughs> okay, yeah, she's gonna do this, and we'll see how this goes.
4: <laughs> oh?
1: She's gonna take a five-foot step away from you. Are you gonna take an attack of opportunity against her? No. I wanna see what she does. Okay. She looks at you and says... This will have to do. And she holds out her two hands. And she's going to cast Chromatic Orb.
0: I don't know what that does. It's okay.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm scared. That is me
0: 23 to hit. Yeah, that one hits. Please roll low, Russ. I don't have a lot of HP. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. Get
2: wrecked, son.
1: Amala takes a five-foot step back and says, this'll have to do, holds out her hands, and this tiny bead of fire appears, and it flies towards you very gently, and it strikes you in the chest, and explodes, and you are going to take 30 fire damage. 30? Yes. Oh my god.
0: She well, I'm rolled, knocked
1: this out. This is this is a level two chromatic orb, and she rolled two eights and two sevens. She was two points away from getting max damage on this. Except, I don't think you're knocked out because someone has a fire scarf that they'd never use.
0: <laughs> Does it make me take half damage?
1: I'm pretty sure it gives you resistance. I will quickly check for you.
0: Well, Russ. I would still be knocked out if it was half damage. Okay. But it's good I to had, know that it's only 15 I damage. I had 8 hit points.
1: Never mind, you're resistant to cold damage. My apologies.
0: Yeah, I didn't think I was resistant to hot damage. Not saying I don't... I mm-hmm. I still don't use that scarf. I always use it really exists. <laughs> but I didn't think I was resistant. Because then I would have remembered it when we were in a volcano. Yes.
1: Anyways... This burst of flame just, like, explodes in your face.
0: How does Vayu react? They just, uh, I'm going to say they got knocked on their butt. And they just, like, sit there staring at Amala for a a good minute. And they kind of shake their head and laugh. And they're like, how did you learn to do that? I'll be honest, I didn't think it was going to work. It worked alright. It worked a little too well. You should, um, use it sparingly. Why? (laughs) Because I think it worked pretty well.
3: She sounds like Gibbs.
0: Well, okay, it worked well, but I'm just saying that I don't think you really have a need to go around exploding things in people's faces very often. There is a time and a place. And I think here is a great time and place. I just think that you shouldn't flaunt that ability. You know? Counterpoint. If I explode
1: things, then I can become the Fire Queen.
0: You you do make a good point with that. You know, I'm not gonna stop you if you do want to become Fire Queen. But... I encourage you to take baby steps towards that and not like explode a whole place and then be like I'm the fire queen because that could lead to a whole lot of issues. Impressive though. So what you're saying is start at fire duchess. Yeah, I think I think we should have realistic baby steps.
1: And Raya runs up and says, "Yeah, and I'll be the chief advisor."
0: Uh Va like reaches a hand to her to like shake it too." Mm-hmm. said Good good match for you, too. You and that little knife really (laughs) kicked my butt. Which means, when you get back, you have to do our chores. (sighs) Yeah, I guess that was the deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Alright, well, a deal's a deal. (laughs) When I get back, I will do your chores. And they say, which should be, like, right after this week? Russ, you put me in the
1: worst positions. Um... I. Do we want to end the scene there? We can end the scene there. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll end the scene there. We're going to cut over to another member of our currently unnamed hero squad. We're cutting over to Gibbs. Gibbs Stern. Chilling in the library. Last time you found two more books in the series of Novaloxor. You were shown them by Queen. What is Queen Gibbs doing?
3: Well, I would assume after getting the next two books of a series that Gibbs would perhaps be reading them.
1: <gasps> Ooh, spicy. 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 Y'all can read. <laughs> Y'all, can... <laughs> Y'all are literate.
3: <laughs> so Gibbs is reading. They haven't put the books down, like literally nose in the book, you know. Okay. Okay, so there was a mini time skip. Yes. So I'm trying to think of where Gibbs would be right now.
1: I would assume that yeah, this is my opinion. You can obviously correct me. Because I have
3: two ideas. And if you think of one of those ideas, then I'll go with it.
1: My opinion is that Gibbs has probably finished the first book and is just finishing it. I mean, the, the second book in the series, which was The Fall of Korb. Yeah, The, dest-
3: Krob. the Destruction of Korb. Thank you. Thank you. I took I'm sorry. notes this time, guys.
1: So, The Destruction of Crob, the second book in the series. So I personally think that you've just finished the second one, but if you have another idea, please feel free to share it.
3: You did not answer what I was considering. I was just considering, like, where Gibbs is actually physically reading these books. Oh,
1: physically. <laughs> physically reading, I would say, in the library, because I don't think that Gibbs would go through the process of going back to their dorm room.
3: Yeah, so... Here's what I'm imagining is that Gibbs needs like the perfect reading like area. Mm-hmm. And so can Gibbs get away with building a little book fort. They would try to do it in an area that didn't have a lot of people and that they wouldn't get caught doing.
1: I will say yes, but you need to make a role for me. Okay. To see how good this book fort is and you can justify a role for me.
3: I kind of want to say dexterity, because it's, like, all the, like, balancing and things like that.
1: So I will say dexterity in two parts. One in the part of balancing everything. Two in the part of stealth to try and get away with this without anyone coming and stopping you. What'd you roll?
3: It's an eight. It's
1: an eight. Okay. Mm -hmm, uh Uh-huh,
3: uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. So, you find a quiet spot away from mostly everyone, but it is difficult to make a good book fort in the sense of it's difficult to stack them properly on their edges to make sure they all stand still
3: also it's really hard to like create like the top cover part yes. you know like you can build walls just fine stacking books but like how do it's you get hard to build a head? ceiling
1: yes
2: yeah. books aren't meant so for it... to build walls they're meant to break them down
1: kyle you not in this scene leave so I think There's actually
3: what- a sign that says that above, like, <laughs> one shelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon now, because I say so, and I control the world, obviously.
1: Yes, clearly. Um, so what Gibbs ends up doing, I think, is just making piles of books, rather than, like, an entire fort. So I feel like Gibbs would probably, like, sit under the table and just make walls of books around them.
3: I think what happens... Is okay. that yes, Gibbs does eventually try to do that because the table provides the cover, but the walls fall down, so Gibbs is just sitting in a pile of books.
1: That's totally valid. Mm-hmm. And I love it. So Gibbs, you are sitting in a pile of books under a table in the library in a back corner.
3: Reading the destruction of Krog. Krog. Krog.
1: Corgi the destruction of corgi (laughs) miss ethel is sitting nearby kind of reading her own books when you finish the second book in the series i want you to roll me an intelligence check just to see what information you get out of this book
3: a non-nat 20
1: a non-natural 20 okay with a non-natural 20 You get a lot of information from this book. It is very dense versus the first one. The first one was very action intense. Lots of epic scenes, epic space battles and things.
3: Can I just summarize real quick? Just to make sure I understand what was in the first book. Sure. Is that basically they battled like this AI who is using the nanomorph to create and replace other people. But eventually joins... The group, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Cool. It involves a lot of space battles, a lot of like flying around to different planets. So, this whole story of the Nova Luxor circles around a specific planet, a planet called Krob, which is this super advanced planet technologically. It has existed for many, many years, and what has started to happen is that in their pursuit of technology and the future, they have started to destabilize their own planet. And this is much more of a sort of political, while also sci-fi kind of story, in the sense that the people of Novaloxor are attempting to save the planet, while the rich, the wealthy, those in power, are helping move it to its destination, its own destruction and inevitable end while preparing themselves to escape safely and the story actually ends with the planet being destroyed the citizens of Novaloxor fail to save it but what they do is they take the poor the needy the people who were left behind by the rich and wealthy takes them onto their ship and helps introduce them to other planets, other communities where they will be welcomed. Some of the members of the planet choose to stay with the people of the Novaloxor, And the elders of this group, of this ancient race, give the citizens of Novaloxor two items. Two very, very powerful artifacts made with the technology from this planet. One known as the Sword of Light, and the other known as the Gauntlet of Magic. Both are incredibly powerful relics of their society. Technology so powerful that it seems like it's just magic. Um, And these become items that are kept on the ship, and that are used by the captain and his husband as they go out and do their missions. But the story really focuses on the people and the struggle that they face and how they didn't really need a savior in the sense that they needed someone to fix all their problems. They needed a way out. And that is what Novaloxor gave them, was a way out to sort of move forward for themselves. And it talks a lot about... The struggles that these people have with the destruction of their planet, the exploitation of resources, and all these other issues that they face. So, it's. I don't know if it's as interesting to Gibbs as the other one, but what do you think?
3: Honestly, to me, Sam, personally, as a player, this is bringing out the history geek in me.
1: But how does just, Gibbs feel reading this?
3: Gibbs is kind of confused.
0: Mm hmm.
3: More. Not about, like, what happened in the book. But more so about the nature of the book. And so they, they read it and they're like, hmm, you know?
1: It's a very different style than the first book. There are still fights. There's still lots of technology, but it's not as focused on that.
3: I don't think that's like, I don't think that thro- throws Gibbs. Oh, all. really? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, Gibbs likes like the fighting and everything. Like that's mm-hmm. cool because like technology, but this is also has really cool technology and like super mm-hmm. advanced. And so the intellectual side connects with Gibbs. Uh, the political side Yeah, it's normally not something Gibbs would consider. Mm-hmm. But that's what's making them reconsider the nature of
0: the book.
1: Hmm. Okay. You know. I'm glad to know like that that makes more sense to me, thank you. So yeah, you finished that book. It's been a few hours that you've sort of been reading over that.
3: Yeah, Miss Ethel's there, right?
1: Yes, she's nearby reading. Okay. A
3: book. Gibbs is gonna clamor out of their pile of books. The books are kinda like falling. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. Of course. And Gibbs is going to kind of, like, hold up the book, the show that they finished reading it, and say, Uh, Miss Ethel,
4: you've read these, right?
1: Uh, no, Gibbs, I've only read the first.
4: Hmm. What'd you think of it? Gibbs gives a look.
1: Well, the first book was very action adventure it was what i expected i did think that some of the fiction that they wrote was very interesting in the sense of technologies that we've never heard of the the way they've developed their world and the way that it works uh it doesn't quite fit within the way we see our world working but it's still very interesting in my opinion it was interesting to see how they managed to turn the supposedly evil alger onto their side and interesting to see the conversion of a villain to a hero or at least a willing companion,
4: you know th- it's it's kind of reminding me about stories my dad used to tell me.
1: oh, what stories?
4: well, lots of stories. My dad knew all kinds, but what's making me remind them isn't isn't like the stories themselves. It was like um, he told me that they were history lessons, but not really. Because, like, you know how books have morals and things?
1: Yes, I understand. I know. Where, like,
4: you learn about things, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't, like, a real situation. Mm-hmm. But, like, what if it's kind of a real situation? What do you mean? I mean, I think you should read the second book and gives him, hand- and, like, clamors over and hands it to her.
1: She takes the book from you and puts down the one she was reading. And says, what was okay. she reading? Um she's reading a romance novel.
3: I imagine like one of those like five dollar books you can buy at airports that has yes. like the guy on the horse, you know?
1: Yes, it has a buff guy on a horse <laughs> on front. It is a buff <laughs> elf on a horse.
3: Perfect. I'm so happy. That's all I wanted. That's the only reason why I asked the question. Okay,
1: fantastic. Yeah, so she takes the book and opens it and starts reading. Unless there's anything Gibbs wants to say to her.
3: No, Gibbs is just going to go read a third book.
1: Okay. So Gibbs, you go over to read the third book. Roll me another intelligence check.
3: It was 12.
1: 12. Okay.
3: Yeah. Which I'm sad, because I feel like Gibbs is, like, focusing extra hard now after the connections they're making.
1: Mm-hmm. You have inspiration you could use, depending I on how like many I, you have left. I feel like
3: Gibbs is literally inspired right now. Yeah,
1: that's totally fine.
3: Okay, that's better that's 15
1: gibbs as you were reading the third book called the resurrection of the fallen you go into this story and it takes place a few years after the first the second one takes place after the second one ends there's a few year time skip and the scenery of this book has changed slightly since the first one Whereas the first two were very hopeful, fighting for the future, fighting for good, this one takes almost a darker tone in the sense of there's less hope in this book. It is less about fighting for goodness of people and more for just fighting to make it through the day. It is a slogfest of a battle between two opposing races, which, two opposing star-traveling races, which the Novaloxor gets sucked into, and it is a lot of back and forth between which side is right and which side is wrong, and between morality. It is a lot of what does it mean to be good, what does it mean to be evil, and Going through these sort of paces. And the thing that sticks out is that Alger plays a larger part in this book than the second one. Alger was present in the second one, but didn't really do much interactions. In this book, Alger plays a bigger part. Alger, as an artificial intelligence, it said in the book, doesn't really understand good and evil. In the sense of how humans do. Alger understands directives, instructions, orders, but not morality. And so this book deals a lot with Alger learning about morality, or trying to, as the captain, his husband, and the rest of the ship's crew try and survive and navigate these tense political waters within these two groups, and also the battles that happen and the story ends with alger shutting down willingly willingly okay alger shuts down willingly because when it comes down to it there were two options and both of them were bad both of them caused harm but had logical choices and so alger trying to understand good and evil, made a third choice and shut down, leaving this choice of what to do up to heroes, up to people, people who could make that choice, who understood the depth of emotion, the depth of morality, the depth of ethics to make that choice. There is once again new technology, new things that are created weaponry such as kind of like your gun but weapons that shoot energy instead of bullets there are ship weapons that fire out spears of energy etc etc there's a lot of new technology developed in this story but the big part of the story is the fall or at least the the choice of alger to shut down. And the name of the book, Resurrection of the Fallen, has less to do with a literal resurrection. In the story, the captain perishes. This is a big plot point that happens is that the captain perishes and his husband, the new captain takes his place in charge. And while Alger is struggling with morality, The new captain struggles with mortality, with the end of life, with the pain, the grieving, and eventually comes to the realization that the best way to bring back someone you love is through the actions you take, and through embodying their message and their actions in your own, and that is where the title comes from. I apologize, this got really heavy.
3: I am, like, so into these books, though.
1: Um, yeah, so that's the information you get from the third book. And the currently final book. Queon had said that there is supposed to be a fourth book in the works, but you don't know anything about that. It's not out yet.
3: How long ago was that third book published?
1: So, if you grab all three books, you can look at their publishing dates. Yes. They were each published by D.B. Arlo. The first book was published 100 years ago. The second was published 45 years ago. And the most recent one was published five years ago.
3: Okay. Gibbs is unusually and uncharacteristically quiet and contemplative as they crawl back into their pile of books.
2: Okay. Holland. What's up?
1: Holland, during the last session... Uh, You felt a change in the air, the change in Forge's relationship with you, and you lost access to part of your divine spells. Our good friend Trevain informed you that this is due to dust, or at least the prophet of dust now being in town. What has Holland done? It's been about... Uh, there's been a little bit of a time skip. We're not going to go through a whole long conversation between you and Trevane over mind messages. So, what is Holland doing? Slash, what did Holland do right after? Well,
2: Holland can't do mind messages right now. At least he can't initiate them because he lost that aspect. Um yes, so I know that. Immediately I'm aware after, of that. immediately after that happened, <laughs> when he got like he went completely pale, even though he's already pale as heck. He and Fleur rushed immediately over to Trevane to the forge okay. temple.
1: And you took Quinn with you too?
2: Yes. Yes, we did not leave Quinn in the middle of the streets <laughs> on her own.
1: Um, so you ran to the temple with Quinn and Floor. When you two got in there, it was already kind of in high alert. There are people walking around in armor. There's people who look very stressed um you actually see venra come along and she sort of i'd assume you introduce her to Florin quinn and she pulls them sort of aside and keeps them busy with the other kids and everything sort of keeping them all together in that courtyard where you all had dinner together the big family dinner you are led into the forge where Trevain is and you can see that Trevane is armoring up. Um, normally he just wears a apron or just like a vest and kind of just goes shirtless into the forge and just does his work and doesn't really care. Now he actually has armor on. He has plate mail on. He has these two gauntlets that look very strong. He has a forging hammer on his back. He has... A longsword on his side, he has a battle axe on his other side, he is geared
2: up. Love it. Uh. Trevain, is everything okay?
1: I'm unsure on that, Holland. I'll be honest. Um. Normally it's a bad sign when Omen comes.
2: Their name is Omen?
1: Her name's Omen, yeah.
2: She's just the prophet of dust, right? Or is she. something more? Her name's Omen?
1: Uh, Omen's the name that she's chosen. Uh, she is the prophet of dust, but normally if Omen shows up somewhere, there's a reason for it. And it's not always good.
2: Like what? I- I think I've met her before.
1: Omen? Really?
2: She took one of my friends?
1: We'll- we'll get back to that, but if Omen's somewhere, it normally means that either a disaster is about to happen, a lot of people are about to get hurt... Or something big is going to change.
2: Well, that's ominous.
1: That's why they have that name.
2: So, are you going to go talk to her?
1: Yes, if I can find her. And if I can find her, hopefully, that'll be it. We just find her, we talk, we figure out what's going on. But if worst comes to worst, then I'm going to protect the town.
2: Okay, uh... Do you feel like this, too? Like, I feel, like, very empty right now.
1: It's it's because of Pantheon. There are the four primary primary aspects. You and I serve a secondary aspect. We serve magma, the combination of fire and earth. Dust uses part of forge, earth and air. When they both exist, our powers sort of go on the fritz. They all exist simultaneously, but not at the same time. It's it's difficult to explain.
2: It's okay, I kinda of, I kinda of get it. Um
1: Sort of like uh you're pulling a rope at two
2: ends. So she also when she came here, she also lost some of her power too.
1: Yes, she should have. Okay, that's
2: good, that's a little reassuring. It's not like she's like draining it from us and we are slowly losing our light force
1: nothing quite that bad but I'm just hoping that Omens come to provide balance or to fix an issue and that there's nothing bad on the way but we need to find her and we need to talk
2: to her I'll come with you and, and help or like just I don't know just be a second person there for you
1: that'd be appreciated especially with you being a possible trainee this is stuff you'll have to do in the future yes yes it is okay still thinking on it it's been a bit of day that's true can't hurt to ask all right so you and trevane head out i would like you to make a survival check and trevane will also be making one
2: to to survive just to walk out into the streets and survive
1: it's more like tracking but okay i got an 18 (laughs) give me your sass i
2: got an 18
1: Eighteen. Okay, what is it with you and rolling higher in survival checks? Because I have
2: a plus three. I'm wise.
1: Okay, so you and Trevane walk through the city, sort of patrolling, and Trevane can almost feel the pull of like when his energy lessens, and so can you. And for whatever reason, you're more attuned to that feeling versus Trevane, and. The reason's probably something to do with the fact that Trevane has so much energy from Forge that when a small piece of it is missing, it doesn't really seem like anything's happened. Versus for you, with you have less energy, anytime a piece of it's missing, you can feel it. Or a piece of it feels like it's being pulled away, you feel that change. And you two end up in an alleyway near the sort of upper district of malra near the wealthy district and you don't see anyone in this alleyway but what you do see is a fine trail of dust all over the ground in this alleyway as if it hasn't been walked in in years as if no one's cleaned this alleyway no one's been through here not even a single animal a cat a dog anything and you come into the scene
2: I think we found her. What should we do?
1: Tervaine looks at you and says, "We should look, see if we can actually find her. She's probably hidden right now."
2: Can we just follow the dust, or is she amongst the dust? Is she the dust? Looks around.
1: It's possible. If I some of us have interesting abilities because of our gods.
2: Can you turn into lava?
1: No, but I can turn to the lava creature which you've seen
2: before. Oh, yeah, that thing. That that was spooky.
1: Yes, spooky is one word for
2: it. Um, hello? Omen? I want you to roll me a perception check if you would. I cast Perceive at 10.
1: <laughs> Better than Trevain.
2: Trevain, are you okay? You're a little sidetracked, I think.
1: Uh, Trevain just looks jumpy. Trevain just looks like... He's too wound up from whatever's going on, and you both don't notice when a figure appears behind you, and you hear, Ahem. boys,
2: do we turn around slowly?
1: <sighs> yes, turn around slowly. Like, hands
2: up, or like, are you okay?
1: I think we're fine. Okay. And Trevane slowly turns around, putting away the forging hammer that he was holding in his hand. And you both turn around. And you come face to face with this short halfling. Probably around three, four, three, five ish Wearing a big, bright, poofy pink dress that stops right above the knee and over her shoulder she's holding a pastel pink umbrella with lacy frills on the edges and she says hello boys
2: hello That's not what i was expecting
1: but in a good way let me guess you were expecting black drab scary
2: no yeah that's about it but like i i like this this is a good too Hello, I'm I'm, uh, Holland. Nice to meet you.
1: Hello, Holland. You can call me Um, And Trevain, of course, it's good to see you again. And Trevain looks and says, I see you've picked up a new form. Of course I have. Anyways, how's it going? Trevain, you stay over there. Hi, you're new. How long have you been around for?
2: Uh, 24 years.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, that was that era. Okay, cool. Wait, are you how old are you?
2: You don't look that old. You look at least like 31, maybe 32. Uh,
1: over about 5,000 years now.
2: So, not 31, okay.
1: No,
3: but not a day over 2002.
2: <laughs> good year, good um, year. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest, 5,000's lowballing it, but. You never ask a lady her real age I
2: mean, age is but a number True i thought I met someone as old as you, that's really interesting
1: Yes, I've been around for quite a while
2: Trevane, are you that old? Oh no,
1: Trevane's just a baby Just like you
2: I'm like a newborn
1: Yes, you all are, it's so cute All of you are so cute Anyways So, I bet you're wondering What I'm doing here
2: Yes, it finally came to find you.
1: Okay, so Dust hit me up and was like, "Hey, Omen, guess what? Some bad stuff is about to go down in Malra, so get there soon." So I came here, and guess what? You have an undead problem. They're just like everywhere.
2: Yes, we
1: and do. like. There are other disasters coming.
2: Like what? Oh, I have no clue. you just know they're coming? Yes. You don't know what they are? No. Or how to stop them?
1: My goal isn't to stop them. Oh,
2: what is your goal?
1: My goal is to be around to ferry souls to where they need to be.
2: Oh, so like the opposite of stopping them.
1: I mean, I'm not going to cause them. That's not my goal but here. But you're not
2: going to try to stop them. Yes. That is correct. Just making sure. Farying souls. Great.
1: Yes. It's, it's what I do. It's what I've been doing for a long time.
2: 5,000 years?
1: Longer than that. I told you, I lowballed my age. I am... How do I explain this? Um, I am dust prophet, but there's another qualifier to that. I am Dusk's first and only prophet.
2: That's both interesting, fun, and very terrifying. Oh, thank you. You're welcome.
1: I don't actually...
2: I mean, why would you? Uh, one, it's your job. So, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't actually die. So what happens is if I get too old or I get hurt, I just come back in a different form.
2: This time as Kirsten Chenowith.
1: Yes. Uh, best friend of Adele Dazeem. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so you know about the undead problem. Uh, yes. And there's other problems that you don't know what they are. You just know they're going to happen, which is great. I think we stopped one of those problems already.
1: Well, I'm assuming one of them has to do with the Celestial. That's probably a problem. What about that? Oh, there's a Celestial trapped
2: in town. What? The, what, what do you mean trapped?
1: I don't know it's trapped. it can't get out. it's stuck
2: here. What kind of celestial do you know I mean?
1: do you think I go around measuring all the celestials and asking them hello well I'm just asking what type of you celestial know you know you, you know
2: the basic info, so like do you know, what else do you know about there's a celestial trapped? like is this celestial like trapped, trapped or like hypothetically trapped, or like what is the... What do you mean by trapped? And what kind of celestial are they? Are they like a person like me, perhaps, Tra- like a celestial, or are they like a like a bigger celestial, like? A-
1: oh, <laughs> <laughs> honey, you don't even rank on my scale of celestials. Okay, that's
2: so why I'm just I'm wondering. I don't know.
1: You're just a normal humanoid. I- I'm talking about like big celestials, like interesting. Not feathery wings, like a level above the feathery wings, Celestial. So,
2: like, the wings are made of light? No. Feathery face?
1: You'll probably see them at some point. Great.
2: Um, Undead problem. You know about that, too?
1: Yes, I can sense them everywhere. Yes,
2: I've had dreams about them.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them. Did you know
2: that? I saw a couple the other night. It's
1: like the town is just sitting on top of an undead factory. It's disgusting.
2: It's also terrifying. So, you're just here not to cause trouble or to do anything bad. You're just here because you think a lot of bad things are about to happen, and you want to be here to do your job. That's it?
1: Yeah, really. Okay,
2: so we don't have to worry Um, about you then,
1: right? No, I'm not a troublesome, but I'm also here for one other thing.
2: You say that very perky, but it still scares me. Please continue.
1: I do say that very perky. Especially, at, like, so, once I'm done ferrying the souls, then I have to start the second part of my job. Which is your on-the-job training. I'm sorry, what? Haven't you figured it out yet? Hasn't, haven't you had your, like, messenger come to you yet? Didn't they explain it when you got it?
2: Please, dumb it down for me, please.
1: So, you did something big. Something important. And you received a locus. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, cool. So you received a locus. What that means is that you are now in a contest.
2: For? To become a prophet. Well, the prophet. Trevain, can you uh, uh, contribute to this conversation a little bit? I know you're two people, but...
1: (laughs) Trevain looks at you and says... You have a locus.
2: Holland pulls it out.
1: A a primordial loci.
2: Holland pulls it out. I just got it like two days ago. I didn't know it was a big deal.
1: Trevain just kind of looks at you.
2: No one tells me things, Trevain.
1: And leans against the wall and just says, Omen, I think you better handle this. And Omen looks at you and says, yes, uh, by doing the good deed that you did in faith and in goodness, blah, 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 you have now been entered in a competition to become the prophet.
2: Are there other contestants in this competition?
1: Yes, there's four of you total. One for each of the primary aspects.
2: Do I know any of these people?
1: I don't know. Who do you know?
2: I don't know. Who are
1: the people? I don't know. I haven't met them yet. You're not
2: helpful, Omen.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you haven't been pulled into the dream state yet to meet the rest of the competitors.
2: Oh, my goodness. I the last game show I was all I did terribly.
1: Oh, this is less of a game show. This is more of a... Fear
2: Factor? Survivor? <laughs> Big Brother?
1: Uh, you could call it more of a kind of Survivor kind of game. Oh, gosh. I don't like Jeff. Because we're trying to determine who becomes the prophet of Pantheon.
2: Wait, not just Forge?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) That's that's easy pickings. No, we're talking about the prophet of Pantheon, the total.
2: I'm sorry, what?
1: You are one of four people competing to become the prophet of Pantheon.
2: Since when does Pantheon have a prophet?
1: Not in a long time. It hasn't been since the last like Great War. And
2: now they want one all of a sudden and they're looking at me? Well,
1: they want one because there's another Great War coming and apparently you were chosen. I mean, you have one of the loci, so.
2: Trevane, I think I'm going to like, be sick.
1: Trevane just comes up and pats you on the
2: back gently. <laughs> it's been a
1: day. It has been a day. And the person who gave you this didn't tell you anything about this? She
2: was very ominous and very vague and just said, you need to find three more and an amulet to go with it. That's all she said. That's it. That's all she said. I didn't know there was anything kind of responsibility that came with this. I just thought it was like, here's some cool stuff to have. My other friend's got a bubble wand and a chalice and I get this.
1: Oh, well, I don't really know anything about a bubble wand or a chalice. They're really cool. I don't cool. think they have to do with the competition. I don't
2: think so. Either the wand's cool. I kind of want it, but Gibbs would kill me.
1: Anyways, unimportant. So, after the disaster's done, after I'm doing cleanup, then we'll get your on-the-job training ready so you can be ready for the competition, so you can win. Um, myself and Trevain are your teachers. Why are
2: you one of my teachers? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I'm just like, why, why were you selected? I understand Trevain because, like, my connection to Forge is very strong and Trevain is a prophet of Forge, but why Dust, too?
1: Well, it's kind of randomly selected.
2: Well, I'm kind of glad that you're, like, you're pretty powerful and old and all-knowing, so that's kind of cool. I guess.
1: You know, it's not nice to call a lady old. See, old isn't an but insult. I am powerful.
2: Old isn't an insult. It's just a descriptor. That's
1: fair. Anyways... I really should be going. Is there anything else I can help you with? Like, anything going on that you need advice on?
2: You don't do hugs. I think Trevane's the hug one here. I'm going to get a hug from him.
1: Oh, you want a hug?
2: Trevane, do I say yes to that? Trevane looks at you and says,
1: I don't know.
2: Omen, if I hug you, will I die? No. I don't 100% trust you, but you know what? Leap of faith here. Come on, bring
1: it in. Okay. She steps into you gives you a hug, this little halfling, um, takes a step back and says, Okay, trevane do we have any issues right now? And Trevane just shakes his head and says, No, Omen. You're just a bringer of bad news this time, so we are good. She goes, Okay, great. Holland, remember, once the disaster's all over, I'll be back. We'll talk, we'll have tea, we'll go and get sandwiches I'll teach you how to raise the dead and then we'll move forward. Sound good? P.T. Cool. And she takes her umbrella and spins it around and you watch as the individual sections all separate and begin to collapse together until they become a pastel pink scythe which she then sits on And it floats off the ground and begins flying away.
2: Trevain, she scares me, but I really like her aesthetic. It's great.
1: (sighs) I truly don't know what to say.
2: Do you want a hug now, too?
1: Yes, please.
0: It's me, Ollie, welcome to the outro. I feel like I haven't done one of these in forever. It's been like I don't know it's been a hot minute at least from my perspective. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I haven't edited it yet. uh, this is past Ollie, so I can't really tell you what happened because I don't remember because i I haven't edited it edited it. That's really hard to say anyway. Um, so if you liked this episode and you like what we're doing, consider following us on Twitter, which is Prison Pals. You can also support us on Patreon, which is also Prison Pals. Uh, join our Discord. Talk to us. We're friendly. The link is on our Twitter, I believe. Um, I don't know what else I'm supposed to promote. So here's the artist spotlight.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode's Artist Spotlight. The artist we are spotlighting today is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, which is really exciting. Her name is Katie Knox, and she is an artist, illustrator, podcaster, and as she likes to put it, a professional goober. She also likes uh, doing storyboards and video editing. She can make music videos uh, and edit for notification media. So really A lot of different outlets, which I appreciate because actually video editing and animatics and storyboards are something I'm looking into pursuing. Uh, So I might actually go and explore more of her work and see what I can learn from her videos myself. But anyway, with all of this diverse uh, content that she creates, you can find it all on her website, bonesmakenoise.com. And you can see everything really neatly laid out there from podcasts that she's been on to a page of her illustrations, to examples of her video editing, to an animatic that she made. Um, It's really easy to navigate, very uh, professionally done, I believe. Uh, So I definitely recommend checking that out. You can also check out her work on Twitter, Etsy, Tumblr, and Instagram, all of them at Bones Make Noise. So it's BonesMakeNoise.com and at BonesMakeNoise on Twitter, Etsy, Tumblr, and Instagram. I should take a moment to acknowledge that on the podcast that Katie's on, um, the language used may not be so family-friendly. So keep that in mind if you check out her work. But everything else, go for it. Go check her out. She also has mentioned that she is looking for full-time employment and maybe a cat, but admits that the cat should probably come after the employment. So if you're looking for somebody to maybe illustrate something for you, or perhaps you're trying to put together a video um, and you want to hire somebody to edit it, or maybe you have an idea for an animatic and want to reach out to an artist about it, might I humbly suggest Katie Knox. Like I said, her, profession, her website is very uh, well done, very organized. So if you want to look more into hiring her, definitely uh, check that out. But that's it for me. I hope you all are staying inside and staying six feet apart from other people and washing your hands. So have fun indoors. Go check out Katie's work. And that's all for me.
0: Cool! That was the artist's spotlight. Thanks, Sam. Once again, haven't edited this yet, so don't know who it was, but I bet they were super cool. I think that about wraps it up for me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. Uh, stay inside if you can. I hope you're not going stir-crazy. I hope you're safe inside. Yeah, um, I, I get it. Trust me, I have a tiny apartment, and it sucks. I hope everyone's having fun playing Animal Crossing. I can't afford a Switch, so I don't I don't have it, which is sad, but I just watch YouTube videos of it instead. All right, now I'm just rambling. Um have a good day, week, two weeks until you hear from us again. KK, bye.